Out in front of shot, off the post, rebound, score! Paul Cotter follows the puck off the iron, puts it into the goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Broken up from behind, intended for Milano. Two on one for Vegas. Marcius on the left. Westgate got it to him. He scores! Nicholas Wong! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, live inside T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Fan, media, coaches, players, everybody's pumped up about this. Management can't wait to see how their teams line up against a huge late-season test in the National Hockey League regular season. A very busy night in the NHL, highlighted by this collision between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Los Angeles Kings. It's either going to get really simple for Vegas in the sense that they'll have distanced themselves from the Los Angeles Kings and all but clinched a home ice position Mm -hmm. in the first round of the playoffs, or it's going to be muddy as heck. (laughs) Yes, it it has the potential for the Golden Knights to, to, as you mentioned, Darren, put some distance. You can finish the night 106 points, three up on the Edmonton Oilers, six up on the Los Angeles Kings with three games left for all of those teams, or... It can be a one-point lead over the Edmonton Oilers and a two-point lead over the Los Angeles Kings with a whole lot on the line over the final three games. So this is the game in hand for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, on the Edmonton Oilers that that both Vegas and Los Angeles are going to play. Mm -hmm. Here's the impact of a regulation win for Vegas. Moving those six points ahead of Los Angeles – Why is that important when Edmonton's in between? That home ice advantage in the first round. It will virtually lock up either a first or a second seed in the Pacific Division. Because we go down the tiebreaker list. Los Angeles can only get six more points the rest of the way. If they win all three and Vegas doesn't get any, they're tied with the same number of points. Then Mm -hmm. it goes to wins. Right now they're tied. Uh, if it goes to the uh, old uh, RW or ROW, Vegas has the tiebreaker mm-hmm. by a significant margin. So if it does end up deadlocked with the Los Angeles Kings, Vegas has the good side of that. And the potential is to have uh, game one and two of the first round right here at T-Mobile with a victory. doesn't lock up first place in the Pacific or first place in the Western Conference, but it does take a significant step towards that with a regulation victory tonight, it also sends a message to the likes of the uh, Edmonton Oilers and forces them to play catch-up. And when you're three points up with six games to go, the math gets a lot more difficult. The incline a lot steeper uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. It would knock the magic number for the Vegas Golden Knights from six down to four with a win tonight. Yeah, it's a huge game for Vegas. It really is. In, in their objective to not only win the Pacific Division but win the Western Conference, this is a huge game because you you got to continue to put the pressure on Edmonton. Like, when you look at the Oilers, 
They've won six in a row. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10 games, and they still have not been able to catch the Vegas Golden Knights. At some point, you have to expect that there's going to be a wobble for the Edmonton Oilers, and if the Golden Knights win tonight, you are essentially telling Edmonton they've got to be perfect the rest of the way. Uh, the other side of this uh, situation is the Western Conference. I'm focused on the Pacific Division, mm-hmm. and I don't know whether that's right or wrong, to, to be perfectly blunt with you. Yeah, I don't know uh, Because the division gives you that uh, opening round home ice advantage. That's more cognizant, and I can grab onto that. Mm-hmm. But first place in the uh, in the conference is also huge, and you're, you're battling uh, uh, in a pretty good race there. But the good thing is, for the most part, you're competing against the same teams that you're battling with in the Pacific Division. So it makes it easier to follow, and I think that's why uh, the Western Conference conversation kind of gets pushed to the side. But if you can lock up a home ice advantage in the Pacific Division, plus home ice advantage for that third round series, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, it was where that really matters, uh, it, it would uh, also, I, I think, be a good psychological uh, reference point, say it's Colorado that happens to survive to come out of the Central Division. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to give yourself as many home ice advantages you can in, in a playoff run. And, you know, the only team right now that's guaranteed home ice through everything is the Boston Bruins. However, they've got to get to the Stanley Cup final in order to utilize that, uh, that, that you know, that, that reward. But mm-hmm. that, all that to say... For the Golden Knights, you win the West, you've got home ice advantage through three rounds of the playoffs, and you've got game sevens if you need them in this building, in this atmosphere. You want that all day long. So somebody will uh, say to me, inevitably, well, does it really matter, home ice advantage? Because Vegas has been so incredible on the road. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And the Golden Knights suffered through a midseason flat spot at home. I did a bit of research on, on this today. Okay. Ah, let's, let's take a look at it. I like it. There's only a handful of teams with more home ice wins than the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. All right. Uh, Boston leads with, with 31, and then Tampa Bay at 27, and Toronto and Carolina. What do those teams all have in common? All Eastern Conference teams. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles has 25. That's three more than, uh, than Vegas. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, uh, Winnipeg, we don't know whether they're going to get in. But Vegas, with those 23 wins right now are poised to could with two more games climb up and be a top five team at home it's it's very possible that this club that went through all kinds of question marks Mm -hmm. about home ice can finish with the fourth best total for victories on home ice and i think that will will surprise a lot of people and then when you factor it into the, the Western Conference, they, they can equal L.A. Mm-hmm. for the most, depending on what happens down the, the road. They can surpass Minnesota. They can surpass Winnipeg. So not only the, the most points in the Western Conference within reach, the most points in the Pacific Division right in front of them, but also having the best of both worlds, home record, to go along with that record-setting roadmark. Yeah, for the Golden Knights, again, I think home ice matters a lot when you get into a playoff series. It matters where you have those really important swing type of games in the series. But I also think for the Golden Knights, it's it's a team that I, I know we talked about just not being able to click on home ice. I, I think that that's a narrative we can put to bed, that we can erase from the conversation point when it comes to Vegas. They have been 
very balanced on the road, at home, and I, I like their chances in any setting when it comes to the playoffs. They can, they've proven they can win on the road. They, you know that they can win at home to a very high degree. It's just a really good, well-rounded hockey club. There's another narrative that is being shoved to the background. Mm-hmm. And it came because of the exceptional play with the top six defensemen. Like they are lights out. They're Boston Bruin-esque mm-hmm. when it comes to having their starting six defensemen. But since Ben Hutton's been called upon recently, since the All-Star break, there's three and one and one mm-hmm. with, with Ben Hutton in the lineup. And I'm using Ben because he's been the guy that, that, that's come in. Sure. But really, it's without their, their top six defensemen. Uh, they were right around 500. Now, now they're 3-1-1. One, one. They have points in, in four of five. That, that's a pretty good correction uh, of the market uh, along with the home ice. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I think Ben Hutton's been such a pro. And, and he's come in and, and I think kind of given a, a little bit more dimension or at least a dimension for the Golden Knights. He's, he's active offensively. He moves. He's, he's been making some big plays. He's been a part of those wins, that 3-1-1 one, one record. He's scoring. He's picking up points where he can. And, you know, I, I look at that as a, a good thing for the Golden Knights as you go into the playoffs. You know it's going to be a war of attrition. You know that if you've got guys that need to come into the lineup, you have to trust that they can get the job done. Ben Hutton's done that for Vegas. Uh, this is a digression, but anybody who listens to this program is used to that uh, from me. Uh, ben Hutton crediting right now uh, a little strawberry sizzle from Victory mm, Flamingo from sure. the Secret Creamery. Mm-hmm. Did you go back and did you watch it? Mm-hmm. Like, what What a treat. Uh, one, uh, the, the fact that the guy went off the board, <laughs> went to the Victory Flamingo with the uh, Secret Creamery ice cream. Yeah. Uh, first guy to... Uh, player to do that oh he and i disagree on that because i'm a fudge guy but uh, the the learning that we did along the way uh with with ben hutton the fact that he was a center iceman mm-hmm. until he was 16 again gives you a, a peek behind the curtain of those hands that we see and the ability to to step into a lineup after not playing 21 games and playing the power play pretty impressive yeah it's not terribly surprising to me just given the way that he kind of sees the game in the offensive zone the offensive instincts that he has. I, I love Ben Hutton and his ability to create. But 16 is super late yeah. to make that transition. Right. I don't know many people who have done that as late as their junior hockey careers. Yeah, I, I don't imagine that that's normal or, or something that you, you see on a day-to-day basis. But I think those instincts never really leave you, right? I would think that they would wear off a little bit. Like there would be something that uh, that you just don't work on, face-offs, lining up, forecheck, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just uh, uh, muscle memory stuff uh, that that gradually. And the reason why he did it, uh, wanted to play defense, wasn't because he was enamored by Raymond Bork or Nick Lidstrom. It was because his team at the time had a terrible, terrible time breaking the puck out of their own zone. Mm-hmm. So he told his coach probably being the best player on the team, uh, given that he made the National Hockey League, he's played almost 500 games, uh, told his coach, like, put me back there, I'll just skate it out, I'll make the passes, I'll, I'll be able to do it, I'll get the puck out of their zone, which which he did. Yeah. And that fueled a, a National Hockey League career. There's not a lot of players at that age who are willing to do that with aspirations of playing professional. Like, if, if you're 
the best player on your team mm-hmm. and you're looking at being drafted either major junior or national hockey league in a couple of years you're pretty stuck to where you are and committed to that uh, aspect and not wanting to change things and alter your draft status mm-hmm. that's gives you more of an idea of what kind of team guy he is or just open to anything mm-hmm. uh, to, to help the hockey club. Yeah, and I, I think that that's kind of the, the temperament and, and the type of person you need in the situation that Ben Hutton's been in. He's been a seventh defenseman for this team all season long, and there have been pockets where he's been in the lineup every night and contributing and long pockets where he hasn't been. But uh, as you mentioned, you kind of have that distilled in you as, as a 16-year-old kid to just put the team first, do what's best for the team in these situations. Uh, because, you know, when, when you do, a rising tide floats boats, right? Like, that's the that's the whole point. You, you're putting team first, and that's what Ben Hutton's yeah, doing. No, 16. Usually ah, it's a player. On. No, no. Come hey. on. I'm saying in this particular instance. When you're 16, it's the player, it's the skills coach, it's the parents, it's the advisor who are all at the coach's door going, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What, he's he's a centerman. Yeah, good for him. But he he, he made it work. Bucking uh, the trend. We've got uh, some big news to tell you about tonight. Uh, yesterday, the phones lit up regarding who you would start in goal for the Vegas Golden Knights for this critical game against the Los Angeles Kings. And uh, it was near unanimous that the callers selected Laurent Brassois. I don't know whether Bruce listened to it, but he did make the decision last night. Uh, they informed both goaltenders, and Laurent Brassois will... Get the nod ahead of Jonathan Quick, who backs up against his former team. I was very adamant about it yesterday. I think that Loren Brossois right now in this moment is playing better than Jonathan Quick with the importance of this game and what it can mean in, in virtually locking up home ice for at least round one, maybe more. I think you got to put your best lineup on the ice, regardless of what the storylines tell you. I, I, I think it's the right call going with Loren Brossois. It's interesting because there's still some testing out, experimentation taking place mm-hmm. up front. But you're committed to going with the player that you believe gives you the best chance to win in goal. Those are contradictory in some faces because of what we're seeing with players being moved around on the forward units. But what speaks to me louder than just Brassois starting tonight is he goes for third time in the last four games, Mm -hmm. which included a home-and-home against the Minnesota Wild, who were battling for the conference lead going into that before Vegas took uh, four points to Minnesota's one in that exchange. Are the Vegas Golden Knights now in a position to have a number one goaltender? They haven't declared that, but the way... Everybody looks at it. Do you view Lauren Brassois as this team's number one goaltender a week out from the Stanley Cup playoffs? Yeah, right now in this moment, I do. I just, I, I just think that given what you just said, you, you have a home and home situation with the Minnesota Wild, where you are essentially trying to eliminate them from being able to catch you at the end of the year and push that team further down the standings to try to win the Western Conference, and you go back-to-back with Loren Brossois in those big games, virtually a playoff simulation, and then you come back to Brossois against Los Angeles. I, I think that that's pretty... 
clear that Lorembrosois is going to get whatever starts he needs and the important starts the rest of the way leading up to playoffs because I think he will be the guy in net game one. No, no declaration has been made. Sure. As far as number one or playoff starter. Mm-hmm. I like what Bruce Cassidy's doing there, too, because he's just gone through the gauntlet of goaltenders yeah. since the All-Star break. And it's almost, uh, I feel like it's its tempting fate. To, if you start attaching guy. titles <laughs> yeah. or looking ahead. Yeah. In, 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 and I'm, I'm not totally the person that, that buys into mentioning shout-out ruins a shout-out or uh, mentioning a stat will automatically mean well, we that know you the, don't believe in the that. other thing uh, w- will happen. But there, there might be a little bit of that right now when, with the uh, stakes so high and having gone through what they have since the, the All-Star game that why would you even, even do that? Because every time they've gotten close, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's changed on them. Yeah, if I'm Bruce Cassidy, I'm not making any bold declaration or anything like that until absolutely necessary. And I don't even think you need to do that, right? Like I think that you have your internal dialogue. You know what kind of the plan is for where you want your goaltenders to be and how many starts the rest of the way over the final four games you want for, quote, your number one guy. But I don't see any need or reason to declare it one way or or the other outwardly because, as you mentioned, it's been really interesting with players unavailable, players available, and the rotating cast that you've had in goal since the All-Star break. Where are you in the surprise that it's Laurent Brassois? who's getting the biggest start of the season, arguably the biggest game of his career tonight, Uh in a situation where the Golden Knights are trying to further lock down top spot in the conference and the division, that it's number 39 and not number 36, not number 32, not number 33, not number 30. Uh, I'm a little surprised. It blows me away that we're here. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. Not so much because of, you know, what's happened over the last month and a half. Like, I, if Logan Thompson would have been able to complete the game against Calgary and if he would have come out of that healthy, I think that we're looking at a different story in this game tonight. But with with Logan not being available and it being uh, either Loren Brossois or Jonathan Quick, I'm not terribly surprised that it's Brossois over Quick tonight. But given, given the landscape of where we were at the beginning of the year, it's it's shocking. It's surprising. Four, four months in, he bid his time in yeah. the American Hockey League. When he when he came up, and Jonathan Quick was, was traded here, Bersois wasn't even available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was Aiden Hill and Lauren Bersois. Thompson's had a game. Pateras had a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that... Uh, uh, John the Quick has had his opportunities and, and taken it. Yeah. But out of nowhere, like going back to last summer, Leonard's out. Mm-hmm. He has surgery. LB has a surgery. They sign Aiden Hill. Bring him in. Mm-hmm. Thompson. I, we we had to go down a path to get to this. Sure. And and it, this isn't a, a path that they've arrived at on the doorstep of Laurent Bressois because – they're not like they have to. They're not forced into this. They have a legitimate decision to make between a potential future Hall of Famer in Quick, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and a guy that's did some some heavy lifting for them this year since he's been here in a short period of time, and Brissois. 
and they're electing to go with Bressois yeah. because of his strong play. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that you know, again, when you look at the importance of this game, I think the play has to be the indicator. It just does, and you know that's why I wasn't necessarily all that surprised that given the opportunity between Brossois and Quick in this moment at this time, I think it's the right decision to go to Brossois. Outside this bubble, you may get a different response to that. We'll check in with John Shannon, the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada. He'll join us from Toronto in just a little bit to chat about uh, what's happening both in Vegas and his reaction to the playoff races in both the Western Conference and on the Eastern side. It's the VGK Insider Show teeing up the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. A huge one at T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. He used to have the most important job in Canada. Now he's willing to give us a few minutes. It's time to chat with John Shannon. Oh, Jonathan, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. I've never called you Jonathan before. Is that okay? Well, it's not my name, but that's okay for you. All right. Remember, the, <laughs> I did a, a sideline game for Hockey Night in Canada. One time I was in Detroit. It was the Ottawa Senators, I think, in the, the Detroit Red Wings. And I threw it back to Bob Cole and I said, Bobby, I was standing right beside him mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing my hit. And I said, Bobby. And I got a text immediately from John Shannon. Bobby? Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't think anybody <laughs> ever called him Bobby at that time either. Oh, you could call him Robert. You <laughs> yeah. could call him Bobby. <laughs> I don't know why I called him Bobby. Uh, but I... <laughs> You got I got uh, told that that wasn't appropriate almost immediately. Not 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 for a Hall of Famer, a guy that's done uh, national games for fifty years. It's not appropriate. No. <laughs> so you, you should, sent you me should a have text. Probably called him. You should have probably called him Mister Cole, sir. But sir, that's another story. Hello, sir. He yeah. kept looking because the uh, analyst was downstairs during that game, and for some reason I was in the booth. I must have done an interview or. or something had happened why I would be in the broadcast booth and he kept looking over at me like why are you here but I think it was polite but it it was bugging him as to why I was there not that I was there but why would this guy be hanging around I was going to sell myself a kid but I wasn't a kid hey uh, you sent me a text today and it had one word with a question mark on it quick and then the question mark and we just went through it uh, on uh, our side of it but from a national perspective what's your angle well um, you know it's probably not in the rotation because because quick played against Nashville the other night correct right Mm -hmm. so then this is probably Brossois game but at the same time you know and this is probably a discussion that Bruce had with Kelly and, and and some others is would you want to get uh, the emotion and the storyline out of the way now uh, to, rather than create a distraction if the two teams do, in fact, meet in the playoffs and Jonathan Quick actually plays against his old team? That, that, that's, that's the one thing that I, I wondered about. But, you know, I mean, these guys... You know, once you get into playoff mode, there isn't, you know, everybody gets in their bubble, and it's not very much of a distraction internally. It's only a distraction for us media types. So it, it, it's one of those ones that I, I do think that people would, would like to see, and they'd probably like to see it before the playoffs start. What was the national interpretation of where Vegas would go with this? Uh, what, the national one you mean in my basement? 
Well, <laughs> y- you do speak for an international audience. Oh, I, 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 I speak for most of the hockey world, just yes. for the record. Um, no, I, I, I think that, you know, we all love storylines. We all like good versus evil. We like good versus bad. We like, you know, big town versus small town. And, and we, like the, we like the story of the underdog. And in many ways, um, you know, Jonathan Quick would be viewed as the underdog against the team that after he won a Conn Smythe Trophy and two Stanley Cups for, they got rid of him. So it's a great storyline. Uh, but it's not as if we need storylines these days in the National Hockey League. Very true. Uh, John Shannon is with us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So we kind of have gone through it, but does this signify to you, or at least where we're at right now with the Golden Knights and their goaltending, that you'd expect Loren Brossois to be the guy come game one of the playoffs? Well, as I told Darren on his, on his podcast, The Chirp, uh, when he asked me this question, who would I start, Brassois or Quick? I said Logan Thompson. <laughs> so um, I, you know, I, I think you, you know people have to have their fingers and toes crossed that the guy who was their number one goalie for a lot of the year can be healthy enough to come back. I'm not sure that's even possible now. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I I think you have to be impressed the way that Brassois has uh, rebounded himself. You know, you know the, the the interesting thing about Boisois is that uh, you know, he's known in our country as a backup goalie in two cities. You know, in Edmonton and in Winnipeg, um, and so his life in Vegas and his improved play in Vegas, I think, raises a lot of eyebrows here in Canada. Uh, that's not to knock what he's done. That's just to say, wow, we didn't see that in him because he was never really given a chance to be a number one goaltender uh, in either Winnipeg or Edmonton. John Shannon's chatting with us uh, on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas ahead of the Golden Knights against the Los Angeles Kings tonight, and it's a, a huge game for both clubs. Uh, it's a little more clarity for Vegas if they win in regulation, and it uh, it really uh, dusts up the track uh, when it comes to uh, a Los Angeles regulation victory. Uh, Edmonton's right in the middle, and uh, it's it's spectacular what this team's been able to do, both individually and, and as a team. Is this the best that you've seen the Oilers franchise uh, be situated going into a postseason since, well, I, I might say even before the run to the Cup in the early 2000s? Well, the run to the Cup in, in you know, that 05, 06, that was kind of a fluke. As, yeah. as, as you can remember, that was the year after the quote-unquote work stoppage. Um, if you work for the league, it was a work stoppage. <laughs> if you didn't work for the league, it's a lockout. So, um, so during during the work stoppage, and and then remember that I, 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 if memory serves me, that was two eighth place eighth seeded teams, Carolina and Edmonton, got yep. to the Stanley Cup final. You know, timing of when the team played well was 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 perfect for for both clubs. Um, but this to me is. This, to me, is as close as we've seen with the Edmonton Oilers um, probably since 1990. You know, and that's the last time they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, and that was the last time they, they won the Stanley Cup with a, a lot of quality players, Hall of Famers. So from, from that perspective, it's a, much different, uh, it's a much different landscape now. But when you consider 300-point players, when you consider the arrival of some of their younger players playing so well, Evander Kane contributing, Matthias Ekholm contributing, this team is probably the best team I've seen in Edmonton in 25 years. Where's the wart 
on the Oilers? Well, the wart right now is supposed to be the goaltending, and yet when you look at their numbers recently, uh, and, and you do have to probably put a little bit of an asterisk on it because of the competition they played, uh, you know, they've got two shutouts and two one-goal games in their last four. They've played very well. Both, both Campbell and Skinner have played very well uh, in this streak where they're winning. Uh, so from, from that perspective, um, the wart that was supposed to be was their goaltending, and even there, even that they're proving a lot of people wrong. So in, in terms of the Edmonton Oilers, when you look at first-round matchups, I, I mean, there's obviously an avenue, or there is an avenue for them to win the division should the Golden Knights falter, but what do you view as maybe the best matchup for Edmonton round one? Well, I mean, listen, you, you win the division, you have a much easier road to round two because you either play Seattle, Winnipeg, Calgary, or Nashville. Uh, all, uh, and it's probably more likely Winnipeg, Nashville, or Calgary, not Seattle. Um, so the, the way that Calgary's playing, the way that Winnipeg's playing, and the way Nashville's playing is not near at the same level as, as either the Golden Knights or the Kings. So that's, you know, that's in fact why you want to win this division. And, and, and you want to win the division because you always believe that you're going to win the series. But you, what you also want to do, and I mean this is no different for the Golden Knights or for the Kings as well as the Oilers, is you want to win quickly. You want to get the first round out of the way because everybody else is going to be beating the heck out of each other. And they're going to be playing six games and seven game series. Um, and you want to win in four or five. I mean, all, all you have to do is look at the success of last year's Stanley Cup champion, to know full well, and if, if I've said this before on the show, I apologize, but I, I haven't been on for a month because Darren keeps forgetting to call me, um, <laughs> is Colorado won two series in sweeps. And the difference that made for the Avalanche, I think if they look back, they would tell you that that was the key to the success. Sweeping Nashville and sweeping Edmonton last year made going to the Stanley Cup final in Tampa with Tampa a lot easier. I apologize for losing your number, but I've written it on my hand now. I got it tattooed. Five, I'm going five, to get five. your wife to take you to a tattoo parlor and tattoo <laughs> it on. Five 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 one two one two. John That's Shannon's right. home number. Uh, yeah. There it is. Uh, the uh, the race for the final playoff spot in the West is a snail's race. With Winnipeg losing to Calgary last night, that was a feisty game. It was a fun hockey game. Winnipeg played better than the loss. Uh, they didn't give up uh, a lot. Uh, Calgary did, but Markstrom was fantastic. So how, how are you handicapping this? Because Nashville's got games in hand, too. They're not out of it. Uh, as much as I'm, I'm blown away by that and, and, and never thought I would say it, they're involved in it. Well, last night's victory by Calgary was as, as much of a profit for the Predators as it was for the Flames. Yes. Uh, particularly when you know that Nashville's going into Winnipeg on Saturday and goes to Calgary on Monday. So all of a sudden, the Predators, with two games in hand on Winnipeg, you know, could, could you know, really throw a wrench into having another Canadian team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They control a lot of their own destiny. They do. If, if, if they're able to win, if UC Soros can play goal the way we know UC Soros can play, Yes, they do. Uh, 
and it's truly amazing what they've been able to do when you consider the, you know, the the sale that David Poyle put on in order to get rid of, you know, Tanner Genot, get rid of uh, Matthias Ekholm, uh, in theory, working towards the future. And, and you combine that there and with the injuries that these guys have. No Yo, no Johansson, no Duchesne, Roman Yossi's been out. Um, this is this is true team effort uh, for a team that uh, really now, in my opinion, is playing with house money. So Winnipeg or Calgary, who's fretting the most right now? Well, it, it should be Calgary, but it's not. Um, because, you know, Calgary's victory last night you know, kind of reinforced what Daryl Sutter's always believed that they. But that could was the play night big... after the the the, the Chicago yeah. loss. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> but that's you know that. Hey, welcome to welcome to the NHL where anybody can beat anybody. But at the same time, you know when when he put their feet to the fire, he being Daryl, uh, Nazem Kadri played ten times better last night in Winnipeg. Uh, Nikita Zadorov was a force. And Jacob Markstrom was the best player on the ice for both teams. So if you have the best goalie and then you can be more physical than the opposition at this time of year, really it's no different than the playoffs. And yet you give yourself a chance to win. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened last night. Uh, and, and as you know, I mean, in the histrionics of that are the Calgary Flames, they really seem to play well in third periods of late, which is impressive. Yeah, uh, coming from behind in Vancouver, coming from behind um, uh, to Arizona on the weekend, um, but then or sorry to Anaheim on the weekend, and then last coming night. from behind last night, yeah. and then really dominating the third period. You know, John, we've spent a lot of time here talking about the Pacific Division, but I, I want to just shift over to the Central because we've had conversations throughout the year of. of who the best team in the Central has been. Defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche are tied right now with Dallas and Minnesota. 98 points. They've got a game in hand. Like, who do you buy most from the top three in the Central? The team that scares me the most right now is Minnesota. Hmm. Um, and, 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 and probably because they have been so good without Kaprizov, who is supposed to come back on Saturday against St. Louis. So if they can add his talent and scoring power to the way they have played really tight, hard-hitting hockey, Minnesota scares the heck out of me more than anybody else in that division. I, and, I, you know, and it's not fair because Dallas has done so many good things. Colorado, you know, we're all waiting for, there's always that note about, well, you can never count out the Stanley Cup champions. Um, but there's no Landis Cog yet. Not sure he will be ready for the playoffs. Uh, Lekkonen is has been hurt. He'll be back soon. Um, you know, Kale McCarr is not 100% right now. So all of a sudden, as, as much as Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen have been spectacular, there's, there appears to be a couple of little weaknesses in the avalanche. You know, and, and I'll tell you what, give Georgiev a lot of credit. He's played, he's played great hockey for them. He's a better goalie than Kemper is, and so... They've upgraded in goal from last year. But I'm, you, you have to wait to say I'm, we're waiting for the avalanche to hit on all cylinders before you say, well, it's the avalanche's division to win. But right now, if you ask me, on Thursday night at, uh, you know, at, at, at 4.38 Pacific time, 
I'd say the Minnesota Wild. Uh, on Great Thursday, ahead of Good Friday. Uh, we had a situation at Sportsnet way back in the day when Mario came back and uh, after retirement, and we had an ISO cam on Mario the entire time up in the one of the corners of your screen, and then the game was played. And, yep. Or you could watch Mario on one channel and just watch yep. him uh, do his thing. I yep. think uh, if you were a producer, would you do that with my buddy Dean Evison and just have oh, no, I, a, a I, nice I, camera I, on Dean on, could on have Dino? his own channel. He you could. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, he could, he could be like Howard Stern. Yes. You know, if you think, like, this, it's the six degrees of Dean Evison. It's, it's fascinating. I, I, it's just, I just love watching him. I really do. I, I just, I find him, he's, he's really miscast as a hockey player. I agree with that. Like, like he should have been at WrestleMania. <laughs> well, he looks like a tough guy too, right? Oh well, and the and the and I mean, you cut you you know something happens on the ice, you cut the dean, and you get the great facial expression. That's right out of WWE. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. I I, lo- I love his emotion. I don't remember him being that emotional as a player, though, Darren. Was he? No. He was a great yeah, player. No, he, like, he was, was a world-class say. junior and a really good hockey player. Oh, listen, I you know I, I put Dean Evison in that boat like in the Dave Tippett world, right? Yeah. You know, workman like, do your job, win. You know, win more. You'll, you're gonna you know with him playing, you're gonna outwork everybody. You're gonna, and that's the way you're gonna win is with just with pure and utter effort. And but I don't remember being this emotional. As a player, as he is a coach, he's fantastic to watch as a coach. So here's one, and you being a, a longtime hockey guy, he played Dean Evison for the Hartford Whalers. Yeah. Look at the how many coaches came out of the Hartford Whalers organization. Like John Stevens here in Vegas, and, and Tippett, and Quenville, uh, yeah. and, and there's a couple that I'm, I'm missing. Uh uh, who am I thinking? Uh, who is that guy between the benches? He was a coach well, there for, for a uh, while. Well, Ray Ferraro, Rick, Ricky Lee was a Hartford Ricky Lee, Whaler. Yeah. Ricky Lee coached in the National Hockey League a long yeah. time. There were, but but look back at who was running the organization at key times. There, somebody who has never really received the credit, um, and yet his fingerprints are on a few organizations, uh, and that's Larry Plough. Larry Plough, and, and next time you talk to, to our pal George, ask about Larry Plough, because Larry oh, well. Plough is one of, he's an unsung hero in our game. Uh, his influence, his calming influence, I remember when my friend John Davidson took over the Blues, he talked about, you know, what a great sounding board Larry Plough was. Larry Plough's now working with Bill Armstrong in Arizona. You know, uh, Larry Plough was, I believe, Larry Plough was the first American-born player ever to play for Montreal in the late '60s. But and then went and went and, and jumped back to the WHA because he's a he's a New Englander and and loved working, uh, loved being in the, the Hartford area and the New England area. Uh, but Larry Plough deserves a ton of credit for being an influencer in our game. And all those guys you mentioned have something in common because Larry Poe probably either traded for them or drafted them or worked with them at some point in their time in Hartford. I won't take credit for this, but somebody did, because I had this conversation uh, recently. Somebody pointed out to me, yeah, but Hartford was never any good. They, they had, like, one good season where they were, they were favorites, but they had all these coaches or future coaches on their team. Sure. Well, John they, Anderson was there too, right? Yeah. John, yeah. John Anderson, a long time, coached the Atlanta Thrashers, long time coach in the American League. Yeah. 
So it's, it's uh, no, bizarre. You're, it, it's, it's a fascination. Yeah, there, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people that still have influence in the game. Greg Millen was a goalie who's now work, you know, has worked at Hockey Night for years. You're talking Sean about Burke. Ray Ferraro. Sean Burke was, the, was, was there. Had some What's great that? years. Sean Burke was there and had oh, some Sean great Burke, years. Oh, Sean Burke, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it, it was. Uh, and, and the biggest dilemma that, that, uh, that Hartford had in the early 80s was that they, uh, the division they played in. You know, they had really good hockey clubs. Uh, but they played in a, a division that you know there was Montreal was always there. Um, I mean, they the the year that Patrick Waugh, rookie in 1986, the the toughest series Canadians had that year on their way to the Stanley Cup was against the Hartford Whalers. What was the name of that division? It was the Adams Division? Wasn't yes, it? Yes, I love it. I just <laughs> I miss it. Like Minnesota's trying to win their first division. Uh, since they claimed the Northwest Division, that that doesn't that doesn't ooze hockey history to me. The Adams <laughs> and the Smythe and the Patrick and the Norris, give it. Yeah, to Yeah, but me. you see, then you, what you'd have to do is you'd have to get Lawless to do one of those Lawless and orders to explain who Smythe, <laughs> Adams, Norris <laughs> are. You know, true, true. You no, know, but 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 Gary, Gary, you'd have to do. You could make it a four-part series, <laughs> one on each division. I love one it. One, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. You, six parts. Got lots of time. We could do six because then we could throw the uh, the conferences. Oh, the there you the go. Wales. Well, that Prince of Wales, I, when he played in the league, he was great. <laughs> the Prince Prince Wales? <laughs> Prince, Prince, Prince of Wales, yeah. Now, Clarence Campbell at least was a name that, you know. I met Clarence Campbell once. You know that, huh? No. Yeah. Uh, he was asleep in the corner of the press room at the Boston Hilton. When I walked really? in in 1977, there's there's the president of the National Hockey League asleep in the corner. And did you nudge him? I said, "Good evening, Mr. Campbell." And, and he, he said, "Who did... are you?" <laughs> <laughs> did that go better than your conversation with Mike Palmatier? Uh, a little better. It was about the same as my conversation with Shaquille O'Neal. Did I ever tell you that one? No. Hmm. Okay, so Shaq? the world Ho- the World Basketball Championships in Toronto in 1994, and I'm in charge of broadcasting for the World Basketball Championships. And I'm standing in a ha- in an aisleway between the court and the first row of seats um, at Maple Leaf Gardens where the games are being played. Uh, and next thing you know, I'm levitating. I'm up in the air because somebody has literally picked me up and moved me three feet with one hand. And it was Shaquille O'Neal who said, hey, get out of the way, and walked right by. And that was it. And I said, yes, sir. And you said, thank you, Mr. Shaq. Wow! Hey, who's biggest the man famous? I ever, biggest man I ever saw in my life. Were, were you intimidated? Like you've been around hockey forever. You're you're a uh, hockey night in Canada executive producer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do you do you get intimidated by people from other sports uh, at all at that time? Uh, I got intimidated by his size, hmm. but I didn't get intimidated. Well, he's got and it's, it's a pretty good baritone voice, but. Uh, uh, it was it was one of those days where you say, well, at least I can say I had a conversation with Shaquille O'Neal now, and I'm going to wait until it on Las Vegas radio, you know, 40 years later. <laughs> uh, you're the best. Uh, next week, uh, let's chat about the playoff matchups. Do you think we'll know? I, I, I suspect we might be we'll know everybody in. by, you know, because next, uh, next Thursday is the last night of the regular season. Right. So I, I, think, I think we'll know everything. You by do? the way, what's that? You do, eh? Yeah. By the way. Saturday, 16 games. Mm-hmm. No games tomorrow because of the holiday, but mm-hmm. Saturday has 16 games. Mm-hmm. Busiest night ever. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I might 
losing my marriage over Saturday. <laughs> I mean, I'm, um, I'm going to just be down in, down there in the office watching all day. Can I can I let you in on a secret? What's that? You and I, I I'm I'd be devastated if you lost your marriage, but uh, I can tell you it won't have anything to do with Saturday. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to take the Saturday <laughs> off the hook on that one. <laughs> You're sure about that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> you you might know too much. <laughs> Uh, thanks for joining me on the trip last week, too. Uh, these guys listened to it. They loved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There was, uh, it, was, it was a good time, you know. You and asked we, hard, you guys really hard questions. Well, I don't answer them, but we, you <laughs> ask hard questions. The L.A. Kings got in touch with me. They, they got brought in on, had Jared Stoll join me this week because hmm. a, a guy that uh, transitioned from player to broadcaster. Well, I'm, uh, glad, I'm glad you finally met him. <laughs> I know, I know. They 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 introduced me, and I was like, uh, "Do I say something here?" Or, right. So I just went along with it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, see, you're always so kind to people. I know. I just I'm not, like, but that's okay. <laughs> I just thought, I'll just uh, if they want to set up a guest for me, I won't uh, look a gift horse in the mouth. No. Nope. Uh, thanks for doing this, buddy. Hey, no problem. Everybody in uh, everybody in Southern Nevada have a happy Easter, please. And uh, hello to my friend George. He's listening. I guarantee it. Uh, Jen says hi to you too. Uh, you guys will exchange messages. Well, we have to. We're going to talk tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. It's your it's your yearly uh, Good Friday uh, conversation. Yeah, <laughs> John, John Shannon and Jen, uh, the best of friends. So thanks, buddy. Uh, there's John Shannon, the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada. I know. Don't get mad at me, but we end up going down these weird places. Yeah. The Hartford Whalers thing mm-hmm. does blow me away that they had all those future coaches, but they weren't any good. Well, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have anything constructive to tell you on that. I sometimes you just have a really good situation that breeds good coaches. Imagine the, looking back if you're coaching to do that with team, losing. like your Pierre Maguire, and yeah. you're coaching well. that team for a couple of games, and he'll tell you it was more than that. And uh, you want a real <laughs> rabbit hole? I'll go down that rabbit hole for you uh, someday on that. But uh, but coaching all those guys. Mm-hmm. That's why the. They, there's so many coaches come out of it because they were, they were all coming that. Anyway, uh, when we continue, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll tee up our number two. We've got Bruce Cassidy to come your way. Plus, news and notes uh, with one-timers, uh, a look around the National Hockey League in a little more uh, broad strokes after talking to John Shannon. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. You like your metal, like you like your big-time hockey? Well, you've come to the right place. So we have two tickets to Power Trip coming up in hour number two. A lot of talk about the Vegas Golden Knights and the Los Angeles Kings squaring off tonight at T-Mobile Arena. And this is the next-to-last home game for Vegas. You can be at Tuesday's wrap-up at T-Mobile Arena for the regular season. If you call right now, 702-876-1340, one of two sets of tickets to uh, go your way. If you are caller number nine right now, and we'll give away a second pair in hour number two. The VGK Insider Show continues. Laurent Brassois going tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights in a game which can virtually lock up home ice for the first round of the playoffs and move a significant step closer to the Western Conference and Pacific Division regular season titles. We'll get into what Bruce Cassidy had to say this morning ahead of this one on Fox Sports Las Vegas in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show.